Good evening, everybody. This is Locked On Browns and Locked On Bengals. Uh, obviously, we'll get to know each other a bunch here uh, You know, as the 2019 season gets underway. A little later this year. There won't be any early games as similar to 2018. But uh, obviously here with Joe and Jake and myself, we're going to you know get into where things are now. Obviously, it's always a contested rivalry, always a heated rivalry. Um, obviously, uh, any of my listeners who have listened to Lockdown Bangles before, you know Joe was a big part of it with James Rapian. Uh, James basically just jumped and ran and is now a Cleveland guy. Uh, so we'll get to talk with him hopefully sometime during the season as well here. But we're going to sit down, break some bread with the boys here, see where we're at. You know, Obviously, we're past free agency. We are past the trade window. We are past the NFL draft. Not much here, really, but, uh, you know, starting to learn about these rookies, you know, some OTAs and basically everybody with their eyes on late July. And let's, you know, get this thing going in a full swing again. Joe, Jake, gentlemen, how are we doing? Fantastic. Thanks for uh, collaborating and, and making two shows into one today. Two birds, well, one stone. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, well, three birds, one stone, whatever. I mean, it, it could be good, it could be great, it could be great, it could be terrible. But uh, you know, I, I guess as we get into this and we start to navigate where th- through it, um, I guess the, the, the division as a whole here, guys, a you know, bit of a weird year last year. Obviously, Pittsburgh missing a lot of players. Uh, then obviously had to go in. You know, they ended, which is funny because the Steelers basically drafted everybody. I like every single player: Bush, Benny Snell, Jason Lane. They took everybody. Uh, the Ravens, you know, breaking in a new quarterback. We'll see if they'll actually let him play quarterback or they're still going to run with that, you know, 2019 version of a modernized wing T crap that they've been running. Uh, you know, Cincinnati, uh, yeah, obviously you guys hoping, you know, for a healthy Andy Dalton, hoping for a healthy A.J. Green. Uh, obviously the development of Boyd, who's turned out to be a really nice selection and maybe a revamp of the linebacking court because that was maybe – Big area of concern, I would say, last year. But guys, as far as the team on a whole, how are you feeling about it after off season? After you know, obviously the draft. Where are your thoughts? Well, we went through the schedule last Monday, and we came up with the games we thought they should be favored and underdogs, and we came up with a six and a half over under. They had one push, six favorites. The rest, they we we thought they were dogs, and the one that we said they were a push in, you you could argue it either way. It was a Ravens game, wasn't it? One of the it Ravens? Was, it was a Ravens, Ravens in Cincinnati, I believe. Yeah. Or no, I don't remember now. That's what it was. It was six and a half, though. So, so six and a half wins. Uh, Mike Renner from PFF says over because he says if the team stays healthy, they have a bunch of good parts, and you can see that. That's what Bengals fans have been saying since 2015 is if the, if the team stays healthy, look what they did in 2015. And then you can look at 2016, 2017, 2018. They had normal or more than normal NFL injuries. And, and you saw, obviously, what happened there. So the, the depth wasn't able to step up. And so that's the big question this year is, can they stay healthy? Or do they have the depth to step up, you know, if, if the front line goes down? The thing, the thing, and it was weird because, you know, when Andy went down and you just saw, and it was that first Bengals-Browns game, and you just saw, like, the way the hand was. It was every, I mean, you know, anybody who thought he was coming back, it was just, you knew the moneymaker as obviously the right hand and the right arm. You knew he was in trouble there. And with Ross, with Boyd, and obviously, you know, Joe Mixon, as much flawed as he came into it with, I mean, he was a pain in the butt to deal with last year. Um, obviously, you're going to have to add a little bit there. Uh, you know, I, I know they drafted two running backs. Well, I mean, one and a half. I mean, who knows? You're going to get Rodney Anderson year one. Fantastic player. But that might just be a smart pick on day three to kind of stash a guy. Uh, so, I mean, 
guys, are you okay? I mean, or do you think this is because it did seem weird? You went out, and you brought in Zach Taylor, and obviously everything, of course, L.A. Rams wise. Did you think it was weird that they didn't go major at the quarterback position, or is it give Andy one year in a good system? maybe a better, more quarterback friendly where a lot of the throws would be predetermined and hopefully guys will be opened and rate him on that. Yes. I think that is the idea. Uh, I think with the money invested in Andy Dalton with really most of the roster you feel is in the prime or could step into a, a winning window. If everything falls right, I think they'd like to keep this core going forward and try it really. When you look at the team last couple of years, it's, you would feel most of the players on the team are playing below expectations. Shaking it up with the coaching staff was the idea to try and jumpstart everyone and not just Andy Dalton. So I think they, they want to see him play much better and they want to see him stay healthy and be more consistent and carry these a few games in the, in this team a few times rather than uh, have the talent around him always carry him. And in a Ram style offense, we've seen the way Jared Goff is in that offense and they don't really rely on him that much, right? He's kind of a, a point guard in that, in that system. And I think Andy Dalton is in line for that. And he has played that role before and can do that and be very successful in it. So uh, I do think there's a, a lot of potential here that he has a very good year under Zach Taylor. And if that's the case, I don't know where they go at quarterback after that. With two years left on his deal, does that mean they extend him, even though he's, he's probably going to be a, uh, thought of as, as having success because of the system? Or do you say, you know what, he's going to be 32 by that time with one more year uh, still at that point? Is that when Zach Taylor can pick his quarterback and try and elevate this team even further? Well, and he's going to go command ahead, a ton of money. And yeah. and then and you look at the tier lists on Twitter, and I don't know if you've looked at the tier lists floating around on Twitter. A lot of them are memes, but people are pu- putting out their quarterback ranks, and universally it seems people think Andy Dalton is the bottom rung of quarterbacks in the NFL, which obviously I think we can agree is ludicrous. He's probably somewhere much closer to the middle, but the perception of him certainly is that he is not worth that money, and if they go out and pay him $25 people freaked out when they gave him $16 million, and they have free outs right now. Yeah, I, I think I, I, the thing, it just seems so, you know, because there's always the his guy, you know, and, you know, a, a, an organization of, you know, when you come in and it's it's my quarterback. But, I mean, you look at the Jets, obviously, though, you have Gase, uh, Gase coming in here, not his guy, but he's going to have to rely on it. So it, it'll be interesting and fun to see how it plays out. And, oh, my good Lord, could you imagine the Twitter blaze if Andy Dalton signed one of these seven-year, hundred-something million-dollar contracts? Oh, boy, that would be some fun. And I think we'd have to defend that ourselves. So it wouldn't be fun at all for uh, a couple months and our listeners on Lockdown Bengals podcast for us to try and rationalize that and, and feel like this team is just uh, putting more weight on Andy Dalton and more responsibility on him that I think uh, a vast majority, if you don't know, if you're a Browns fan listening right now, and uh, we did a, a series of uh, brackets and matchups leading up to the draft and Asking, you know, do you want Jonah Williams or Dwayne Haskins? And overwhelmingly, people voted for uh, Dwayne Haskins. And that actually was an option for the Bengals at 11. Both were on the clock. The team picked Jonah Williams, as they have before, where they have bypassed quarterback. And they've made that decision very consistently uh, under Andy Dalton. What I think this is more like is John Gruden 
inheriting Derek Carr. And while there's rumors that he would like to upgrade that position, it is hard to upgrade from like the 18th best quarterback unless you're completely sold on it with a top five uh, prospect in the draft. And that wasn't there for them. I think if Kyler Murray was there for the Raiders, we might have seen a change. So, uh, right. And, And so I think if the Bengals get into that situation where they don't have success this year and they are picking top five, that's when this picture becomes much more clear. Yeah, well, I mean, and the other thing is, I mean, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to sell your soul. I mean, you don't want to take the franchise and, you know, go in there as a new guy and say, oh, well, we got our guy. So hopefully we'll be a little worse this year. But hopefully next year, I mean, you don't want to, like, you look at the Jets. You know, you, you traded everything for Darnold. You still ended up drafting third. You threw balls out the door. Now you're just putting more on Sam's plate where he's now going to be the third system within three years. And you're praying that you've done enough where it's going to – and, you know, born and raised here at Jet Fan in Jersey, some of these Jets fans, they have some really, really high expectations. Uh, you know, I don't know if Ja'Kai Polite's going to come in and take the league by storm and sack 14 guys, sack 14 quarterbacks, which is what they need. But, you know, some people just don't – you know except marginal progression as progression. They view it's, you know, it's all or nothing. And that, that would have been, I mean, Gruden had the opportunity with the three first round picks. He could have, but if Kyler Murray definitely was available, I am so with you on that, Joe, there is no doubt he would have been wearing that silver and black. Yeah. And I also, I like your point on the progression because I think, uh, People view it, and I, you hear this phrase all the time, he'll only get better, right? You'll hear fans say. Uh, that's not always the case. And even production doesn't always – I mean, uh, progression doesn't always translate to production in terms of traditional statistics or, or what you see on the field sometimes. It's not a linear thing. It's not a It's not a progressive line. It can be ups and downs. It can be waves, especially yep. when you match it up with production. So uh, a lot of these fans of – you guys are probably in the scenario where – Baker Mayfield, a full offseason, full camp where he's actually getting reps with number one, training uh, training camp in preseason when he's getting reps with number one, a full season, he's only going to be better. That may be the, case, be the case. He's the number one overall pick. He's extremely talented. Last year was a pleasure to watch. But uh, there is a plausible scenario where there are dips and valleys in his progression in year two. And I, I think uh, – I, I wonder for you and for Browns fans, I mean, how do you – the expectations are on you guys, right? I mean, how do you feel with are, – are you uh, defending or setting expectations for Brown fans saying, he, guys, relax, you know, he's not he's not an all-pro quarterback yet? Or are you saying, full steam ahead, let's do this. I think the Super Bowl window is open now. I, I, you know, to, to say Super Bowl when you weren't in the playoffs the year before, for me, that's just ludicrous. And the thing that uh, – and even Pete and I were trying to say is to get yourself from zero wins to seven is fantastic. But you know what's even harder is getting from 7 to 10 yep. or 7 to 11. That's even harder because now you're not going to catch teams sleeping. They're not going to catch Carolina sleeping. They're not going to catch Atlanta sleeping. These are games they won last year where these teams maybe didn't do enough homework, maybe didn't give them the respect of, oh, they're still the Browns. It, it's not – It's it, it, now they're going to be the Browns. It's not going to be, oh, they're still the Browns. Now it's going to be, oh, look, six can beat you. Uh, look, uh, if you're, you know, they've got Odell. I mean, these are things that you really have to open your eyes to. And I mean, look, as great as Freddie is, and it seems like he's just genuine and authentic, but here's the keys, bro. You've never head coached before. And you know, what's going to happen if it's a game they should be winning and all of a sudden they're down mid- by 10 in the mid third quarter, yeah. is he going to be able to stay the path or, you know, nobody knows this about him. He's got no track record. Um, is, so is he going to be able to say, all right, 
you know, it, and even still, sometimes you just take everything you thought was going to work and you got to throw it out. And here, we're going to run these five plays in the next because we need to score. And these are things that they're going to have to go through. And it's kind of everybody kind of growing together because for the vast majority, everybody who's involved, even Odell, who's going to be in a sixth season, he's never really been in these type of games either. So there could be a a possibility of some hiccups. Uh, They need to hit the ground running. They need to remain healthy, which they got really lucky last year. The Cleveland Browns personally chose their offensive line for all 16 games last year. They never had it dictated to them. To think that's going to happen two years in a row, that's a tough one. Yeah, and I think we're dealing with the same thing, right, Jake, where uh, the coaching position is a complete unknown. First-year head coaches can go in a lot of different directions. And I think that Bengals fans have chosen to be what's the word unbridled optimism is what we're seeing from a lot of people with Zach Taylor. And we've been, I think a little bit more measured and we've caught some, some disagreement from some of the listeners on Twitter and, and in the mailbag and such. And we've kind of come around to it too, because we were just, we were just so used to Marvin Lewis. Whereas in Cleveland, you've had this carousel of coaches for the last 16, 17, as long as Marvin Lewis has been in Cincinnati. Right. So right. It maybe is is this the same thing, or is there some measure of confidence in in Freddie Kitchens? And I'm curious about the health thing. I'm just looking at the Browns starters right now, and all 22 guys that the Browns are running out to start for the most part, I'm aware of, and I think they're pretty good players. Looking at the second string, as with most teams, I think that you don't follow. I recognize a few names, but were the Browns? Re- I mean, if they didn't lose an offensive lineman last year, that's obviously a plus, but. Were they really remarkably healthy, or was it just better than average? Uh, they, the unit definitely as a whole, there was just no doubt about how be- how much better they played the second half of the season. Um, there were, you know, there were weeks where Baker, you didn't even find a grass stain on him. That's how clean. But if you look at it, obviously, you know, Joel was, you know, Joel's a very established player. Kevin Zeitler was. J.C. Treader is a good player. Even J.C. Treader, what he did last year. Uh, you know, playing basically on one leg. And here's a guy with a reputation of being an athletic center. He wasn't able to do that last year. Uh, he went into a walking boot uh, the week of the Charger game. Uh, Jake Burns, you know, guy everybody knows, he was in the building that day. He's like, I'll tell you right now, if J.C. Treader plays again in the next month, I'll be astonished. Hmm. Um, but he showed up every week. I mean, granted, it was Friday, you know, went out there and just kind of eyeballed the game plan as Friday practices were going on. But he showed up on Sunday. Kevin Zeitler was on the show, and he's like, man, I wouldn't have been able to play with that. But losing Zeitler, obviously, is a blow, in my opinion. Um, But John, with guards and interior offensive line and making the money they are, I'm sure that kind of fired him up a little bit, that knowing he was paying $12 to a right guard, you know, the center's making money, the left guard's making money. There was just too much invested there. But the move in it basically enabled and you know got you two starters. Now you got Austin Corbett into the starting lineup at right guard. It brought back Olivier Vernon. Um, you actually saved a little bit of change on that. But it's going to be interesting to see how these guys mesh. And you know Baker, like any other quarterback, you cannot have things getting nasty around his feet. He's got to be able to step up. That is the one number one pet peeve. Whatever your last name at quarterback position is, is you got to be clean inside that you know eternal, the you know the eternal cocoon where you got to be able to step up. So we'll see though. And you know Greg Robinson, you know it'll be interesting because Greg played better than Greg Robinson has ever played before. But you know that's not gonna, it's not putting you in the top 
half of left tackles in the right. NFL. So, and then, you know, right tackle, Chris Hubbard had his ups and downs. I think that was one thing they went after. They went after a bunch of guys for Chris Hubbard insurance. And, you know, I, yeah, we've actually said it. Chris Hubbard might not even be here opening day for the Browns. Mm. I think the interesting guy is Austin Corbett, though, because obviously we have we have a connection with uh, Kevin Zeitler. But Corbett was a guy I really liked coming out of Nevada last year. And I thought if the Bengals didn't address center in the first round, and they ultimately did with Billy Price with the 21st pick, I thought uh, Corbett would have been a nice option in round two. And how much did he, he didn't play much last year, right? So what do you know from preseason? I mean, their level of confidence has to be pretty high for a guy that didn't really take a lot of reps last year in the regular season. Well, they were caught last off season with that whole, well, what are we going to do now at left tackle? You know, it's not like Joe left them high and dry. You know, Joe retired right around when free agency started. So they knew um, they didn't address it through free agency. They did not address it, you know, through the draft. Uh, you know, Greg was signed two days before camp or late, late June. Greg was just like, all right, let's bring Greg Robinson in. Uh, you know, then, they, you know, and then through the preseason, you know, Desmond Harrison, there was a guy they wanted to get a look at. He was hurt most of, you know, most of the camp in preseason. So, all right, let's try Joel Batonio. Joel, Joel looked fine out there. He could have gotten the job done. I think it was more of Joel was like, look, if I'm going to be the left tackle of this team, give me a full off season. Because, you know, I mean, these guys who are pros, pros, there's different ways they want to do it. You know, maybe the way he wanted to fluctuate his weight, maybe, you know, put some on, take a little off, whatever, you know, the case may have been there. They tried Corbett out there. Corbett, that, that was not going to work. He was, he, you saw right away, he was an interior player. But as the preseason went on, once you had him in the interior, it, it, he just looked better week in, week out. Um, his best game, you know, and obviously everybody always picks on week four of preseason, but he was a, he was a beast that week. I mean, he opened up touchdown runs for, you know, a running back who, you know, I, I don't even know if he's in the league right now, but he was able to come all the way across, you know, you know, from his side on the left side, be able to take out a scraping linebacker that would have made the play. I have faith in Austin Corbett. I, I think he's going to be okay. Um, and it is good that he's going to have J.C. Treader and he's going to have Joel Batonio to lean on as far as, you know, making sure he knows what he knows. And, you know, this is one where you're just going to go with the faith of what the, you know, the front office. And, you know, they don't, you don't draft somebody, you know, 33rd or you know, 33rd, 34th, wherever they draft him and just say, you know, well, in due time, we'll find your spot. They're going to find his spot and rather quickly. Yeah, they're creating a spot. I think that's we've seen that sim- similar situation where now, um, you know, for different positions. But uh, with Tyler Boyd and, and John Ross, they ultimately were said, well, we drafted these guys to play and we're going to play them. But we also saw the negative side at Cedric Oboyhe and Jake Fisher, where they let Kevin Zeitler and Andrew Whitworth walk and said, well, we drafted these guys, so they have to play. Uh, so, you know, I, I you, I'm high on Corbett. And I, it sounds like you are, too. But um the range of outcomes for that offensive line, I think, could be really good like it was last year for the Browns. Or Greg Robinson turns into Greg Robinson, Hubbard is Hubbard on the right side, and maybe Corbett struggles early. That will be really interesting to see. Let's take a quick break. We'll get back to the conversation about Austin Corbett and the Browns offensive line. And then some of those other exciting additions, Sheldon Richardson, Odell Beckham, depending on what you think about Kareem Hunt and whether he'll make the team Kareem Hunt, other offseason guys through the draft. So we'll be right back and talk more with Jeff Lloyd of Lockdown Browns. And the one thing we've been bringing up with uh, Greg Robinson on the show, and this was actually Pete Smith's point, is uh, Greg Robinson, he's either, if he really gets it, he's going to be too expensive of a left tackle for the Browns going further, or 
you're not going to want to keep him around because you're just mm-hmm. going to go find your franchise left tackle to pair with Baker Mayfield. So it'll be interesting with Greg Robinson, an absolute wild card here. And obviously, you know, he's had the opportunity to make some good money to this point. But, uh, you know, some guys, they, they ain't no hometown, no hometown discounts for nobody. <laughs> right. Well, how about those more exciting additions? Everyone in Cleveland has to be very fired up for Odell Beckham Jr. I guess there was a little bit of a fracas with him not attending the the oh, optional yes. minicamp. People were freaking out. But then there's Kareem Hunt, who on the back end of the roster, if he comes back late in the season, is a potential wild card. Sheldon Richardson and Olivier Vernon, who I think are very solid to better than solid signings to join Larry Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett on the, on the line. Of course, you lose a couple of players there. There's some turnover happening as well. And then you add Greedy Williams to the to the cornerback core. Is he going to play much his rookie year? So let's talk about those guys. Um, I, I, we'll start at the top. Uh, the Odell, that was it was crazy because uh, uh, Jared Mueller and the guys over at the OBR, like, they were like literally like sending us stuff like, guys, this really could happen. And this was like a week to 10 days before it finally did happen. And, you know, like they kind of told us like the trade and it was it ended up being two trades, obviously the Zeitler Vernon deal. And they pretty much had this and they had like 10 days before. And it was just like, all right, well, the first trade happened. So maybe that's not going to happen. And we were actually 10 minutes into a recording and we were talking about signing Sheldon Richardson. And this is going to be fantastic. And it was, uh, you know, going through Twitter. Oh, my God. They, they really made move, the move for Odell. And it was like, all right, yeah, take this 13 minutes, just throw it in the river. We're going to have to start from scratch. But you bring in a player like Odell, and the frustration, and this is one of the things, and I, I know from seeing a lot of Giants games from where I am here, Odell does want to win. Look, every player wants to get paid. Odell Beckham wants to win. He's He gets frustrated at times because the team is not as successful as it can be. He obviously got frustrated with Eli Manning and his accuracy. These guys know when they're open. They know when their big play was there. So if the ball doesn't come their way or it gets thrown poorly their way, yeah, it's going to aggravate them. So going to Baker Mayfield, that's probably going to help them there. Sheldon Richardson was just an absolute perfect, perfect pick because Larry Ogunjobi can do the old school defensive tackle stuff. He can be your anchor on your D line or he can be a playmaker, but now you bring in Sheldon Richardson, who is a guy who moves well, obviously athleticism. You know, he's played edge. He's played hand in the dirt. He's played stand up. He can do anything. Olivier Vernon, a tad bit undersized, but he's never going to face a life t- left tackle again. He's going to face right tackles. So an advantage for him there. But the thing we liked is everybody, you look at what these good teams do with their defensive line. It's moving them around. It's moving parts. And, you know, and you, Miles Garrett played inside as a rookie. He never really played there as a second year guy. It just brings flexibility to that position. Um, it, with Greedy, the, the things it's going to be Greedy will play as as fast as it comes to him. Uh, Terrence Mitchell, it, it was interesting. Like you never really talk much about your second quarterback, your cornerback, unless he's bad. But Terrence Mitchell made a lot of plays early. Like he was interceptions, you know, forcing fumbles, which nobody expected. We didn't even think, you know, we didn't know how much he was going to play. But he got the starting job early. And then when he, you know, broke his arm in the Oakland game and he was going to be out for a while, I was like, wow, well, this kind of stinks. We're losing Terrence Mitchell. I mean, it seemed weird to say it, but, you know, that's how well he had played. Um, And, you know, look, there could be a case where, you know, if Greedy picks it up quickly, you can play Mitchell, who's got a length advantage. So he can, you know, if it was an A.J. Green or somebody, 
is somebody he could kind of match up against. You could always put Denzel inside at the nickel in when you go you know, to your nickel and dime packages because Denzel's you know small enough. He won't get so much caught up in the traffic, but he's also quick enough and he's tough enough as long as he tackles correctly and doesn't let 260-pound tight ends take him out, which you guys would know, which he did last year. But it gives you just more flexibility, which is what the key to the game is now. I mean, you want quarterbacks to come to the line or you want defense to come to the line and not know what's like even you know look i mean you can scout everything but every you always want to throw new new wrinkles and the more you can do that with the personnel you have on your game day roster the better so who do you think the nickel guy is going to be because i thought brian body calhoun had some fun plays and fun such a nice player such yeah, nice and just the things they did with them and they, they could do with, uh you know, mixing and matching zones and coverages. And he, sometimes he's back, looked like he was playing almost like a safety and then coming up and playing. Uh, well, the Tampa, know, uh, prime example, the Tampa game last year, yeah. they took Demarius Randall and said, look, we're a little light on quarterback, cornerback this week. We got nobody to line up with Mike Evans. So Demarius Randall was the starting cornerback that week. Mike Evans got his set for 100, didn't score. Body Calhoun started that week at the free safety. Yeah. And, you know, that was, you know, and, and played why well. he, I, that was the best game he had last season. And for the contract he got to go to Houston, it was like, well, you couldn't find a spot for a highly versatile guy like that. Yeah. Um, my, my think would, my thinking might be is that Denzel Ward may play more nick, nickel than people think. Um, everybody else that he's gone after John, besides Denzel, are these long guys, TJ mm-hmm. Carey, Earl Mitchell. I mean, Terrence Mitchell, I keep calling him Earl for some reason. Some guy Terrence from Mike Mitchell Eagle. from Oregon like seven years yep. ago? Part of the Chiefs. Man. Yeah. yeah. And, and Cowboys? Yep. Was he drafted by the Cowboys, I think? Anyway, I, I remember him from Oregon. He was really good. Yeah, but I mean, he's long. And then, uh, you know, uh, not EJ Gaines, Philip Gaines, uh, you know, TJ, uh, TJ Carey. These guys are all long. Gre- Greedy Williams, almost 6'2". Denzel would be the guy, and the thing I do think they like is they can kind of highlight his athleticism. There could be some nickel cornerback blitzes with him. You can, it, it, it becomes a nice little piece there, and we'll see how it works out. But because, like, he was definitely not the mold of what John has done since he's been here with, with the Browns, cornerback wise. You know, most everybody, you know, has been long and lean. You know, Denzel was the guy who was. tacklers, bit, right? Yep. 100 percent. So it'll be interesting. But I mean, if you're looking at the card, I mean, just kind of reading the tea leaves, that would that would kind of be my my thinking. Yeah, because I'm thinking of uh, this matchup in particular, uh, the Bengals versus the Browns. And we're hopeful John Ross takes a step. But even if not, Green and Boyd are are pretty good. Number one and two. And, uh, you know, Boyd's probably going to be in the slot more. If it's a Rams style offense, they're all probably going to be in the slot in some way. (laughs) Right. Probably going to be condensed formations and everyone's going to be bunched and lined up next to each other and behind each other. So uh, I wonder how the Browns will will try and match that up, because there are there were times last year where. Boyd was kind of the number one in the slot in today's NFL. Your, your slot's going to get 10 targets a game. He, Tyler Boyd was fantastic last he year. Was he was extremely incredible. productive. Yeah. And, and yeah, Pete t- set Twitter ablaze by when he was doing AFC North wide receivers. And he was, no, Tyler Boyd is Tyler Boyd is better than Jarvis Landry. And everybody, what, what, what? what? I mean, look at the production. Tyler Boyd was better production-wise than Jarvis Landry was. He exploded, especially. Right. Right and, and, up. It, during the first two years, right? How much he went from that for the, and it was really the last final weeks of, of, of year two for him. But, uh, you know, as a whole, those first two years, he was, he was being benched. He was inactive, a healthy scratch for some games. And then year three, just a complete explosion. It's everything you could want from a guy who hasn't been productive and being a high draft pick. And I think that's the hope for Bengals fans for John Ross. And especially doing with Jake Driscoll. I mean, with, with Driscoll, yeah, for the, with Jeff Driscoll, yeah. for the most point. I mean, and, you know, it was, he was phenomenal last year. He, Boyd's a player. There's no doubt about it.
Yeah, so that's why I wondered who was matchup. So if you're Browns and you're looking at this uh, Bengals team, and where would you say is the weakness for the way the Browns are constructed? Because looking at the roster, it looks good, right? They have very few holes, I think, in terms of they really have stacked this thing up. So if everyone's healthy and they don't play till late in the year, so it's probably going to be unlikely. But what would you say looking at the Browns and say, well, this is the weakness. This is really what I would either try to protect or try to avoid from getting exposed. Uh, My my biggest concern would be, look, if anybody – on that defensive line gets hurt. They have not, they didn't really do anything for the depth. Um, we're not sure where Jannard Avery fits in here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is he going to be more of an edge this year or, you know, is he a strong candidate to play the Sam linebacker position? Mm-hmm. Um, which he was okay in uh, zone coverage. He's okay. Man coverage. No, 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 that's not very good. Um, but he still can get after the passer, but you know, Sheldon Richardson is a great addition. But the problem is they still have all the other defensive tests that Greg Williams had no faith in to play whatsoever behind Larry Ogunjobi. So that's what you worry about. And, you know, because, you know, look, I mean, D-line, obviously, it's a huge, it's it's integral, it's crucial. You just can't get around it. And, you know, are they going to be more confident to, you know, why I think the name Gerald McCoy comes in, but are you going to be more confident into that, you know, some of these guys getting 75% of the reps as opposed to 95% of the reps may be better off. And, you know, they almost, you know, Larry ended up blowing out a bicep. And they, you know, so, I mean, that was almost played his way through it. God bless him. The guy's just a freak. But you, you, you don't want to gas these guys. And it seemed like the only time they were willing to say, okay, Larry, you can take some time off. Miles, you can take some time off, was in blowouts. And, you know, there's not a lot of blowouts in the NFL. It ain't college where you can tell you guys, you know what, don't even bother going out with your shoulder pads right. on in this second half. Uh, so that's one that does concern me. Um, Christian Kirksey, uh, you know, love the dude. Great guy. Great for the community. Uh, injuries are not last year. He did not play well. He did not play well at all, which gives you, as Joe Schobert is the only established linebacker in the room, uh, you know, rookie from BYU, Mac Willis and whatever, all that be as that, you know, be that as it may. You, the only guy you trust right now of your linebacker unit is Joe Schobert. So that's going to give you some pause and hesitation. And then it's going to be, it's not so much, you know, free safety, strong safety. It's how are they going to handle the rest of the safety position? Demarius Randall, obviously good in his role, but you've got a rookie, Morgan Burnett, kind of a box guy, but getting older. Uh, Eric Murray that they brought over in the trade that sent uh, Ogba to Kansas City. But keep in mind, John Dorsey originally drafted him as a cornerback. So how does he view him bringing him here? Is he kind of like a chess piece secondary guy? So there's, you know, some things that definitely, you know, it's look, it's never perfect. You know, unless you get Lombardi's, nobody's roster you can just say is perfect. So there are some things that cause you some hesitation. The offensive skill, I mean. With Duke still being here and that you have Kareem Hunt, you know, look, I hated it. I, I just hated it from jump. I look, yes, I am the sign, sign the really good football players who are also good guys. There's enough of those around. You can, you can build those, but you know, he's here. He seems to be doing everything that's asked of him. And the fact that you could unleash Kareem hunt week nine on the NFL and, you know, he's going to be completely, absolutely stinking fresh. It's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice ace to have in the hole. Well, that's uh, I feel pretty comfortable with your review and summary of the Browns. Do you have uh, what do you have for the Bengals? What do you, what are your questions for the Bengals? Well, all right. Well, let me. What's 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 the next step here? Obviously, I think the team you have in place. 
So the question is, you know, how do these new guys come in and, you know, how does Zach Taylor fit in? And, you know, know, raw, if you can get AJ green, healthy, you have Boyd who now obviously feels loads of confidence. John Ross is finding a role, even if it didn't work out his rookie year, he's not playing corner anymore. Right guys. That's no. <laughs> yeah. But Jake, so, I mean, where do you feel, I mean, like, you know, where are you confident in and what do you think the abilities of the Bengals are this year? The high end for the Bengals is like I said earlier, everyone stays healthy because if everyone stays healthy, you're running out skill guys of Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Eifert. That's your first four. And then your fifth guy is either John Ross or one of the tight ends or Giovanni Bernard if they want to get creative. And then the question becomes, well, is the offensive line better? And you look at all of the investment they've put into the offensive line. And if Cordy Glenn can somehow stay healthy for the first time in several years, you you got to feel like the offensive line is better with – Jonah Williams, either starting at right tackle, starting at left tackle, whatever they do with the tackles, they're talking about getting their five best guys on the field, which hypothetically means that Bobby Hart is not starting and Alex Redmond, the right guard from last year, is also not starting. You also hope to get a second-year leap from Billy Price. To some degree, he had a lot of injuries that he dealt with as a rookie coming off the torn peck at the combine, didn't get a full offseason, and then never really and then he had the foot injury so he was never yeah. really healthy the whole year so having a full off season for him should improve the center position we feel pretty good about left guard whether that's clint bowling or if it ends up being trey hopkins or christian westerman that's you know that's all going to be averageish guard play for the most part so if if the line even goes from what it was last year to average that that's a huge improvement and then you feel like with the the skill guys i mentioned if they and Andy Dalton stay healthy, they're pieces there for really productive offense, especially because last year they did run the ball relatively well, and now you're bringing in an emphasis on run-first play action all day from Los Angeles, and that should bode really well for the offense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you just have to hope that you get better linebacker play and you have a scheme that's a better fit to the guys on the team. Terrell Austin came in last year, and for the first time really – that I can remember because it went Mike Zimmer and then it was uh, Paul Gunther. Yeah. They ran a very similar system. And, and then you have this big departure with Terrell Lawson and it was just shambles for the defense. Nobody seemed to know where they were supposed to be on a given play. You had people going rogue. So if they get back to something that's a better fit for the personnel, and we don't know what we're going to get from Lou Anarumo who comes from the giants. We don't know what we're going to get from Anarumo at all, but right. The talent on the defensive side of the ball, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, Carl Lawson, if he's healthy, Sam Hubbard, who played well as a rookie last year. The front four should, again, be a relative strength of the team. The secondary should be a relative strength of, of, of the team. Sean, uh, Sean Williams is, is just an, uh, uh, probably just a guy at safety, maybe slightly better than just a guy. But Jesse Bates, as a rookie, was outstanding. Yep. And you don't usually get outstanding play from rookies of safety, except for 2018 across the league. And then you feel pretty good about the first three corners and William Jackson, especially Dark West Denard is probably average plus in the slot. Drake Kirkpatrick, again, probably average plus or average at least on the outside. So again, if you look at all the starters and you start to think about, well, if they stay healthy, then you can see it sort of coming together again. And then you can start to see the outline of a 10 win team. But 
I think a lot a lot has to go right. And with the first-year coaching staff, we have a lot of the same questions you do. And this is the first time the Bengals have been dealing with a new coaching staff and since, you know, I don't know, 2003? Y2K, something like right. that. You know, it, <laughs> so, it goes since some, of you, since some of us have been shaving. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. This is true. Completely That's for me. Probably about right. I 2003, <laughs> I, was, I was 16, 17. No, I can't. I don't know. Math is hard. 15. I was not shaving yet. <laughs> Joe, uh, tell me a little bit about the draft class. Um, you know, w- w- what do you think of what they did? Um, and I'll tell you guys right now, uh, Renell Ren, good talker. He's somebody you guys should have on. Oh, we'll try and do that then. But uh, Renell's I think- a good dude. From the first pick, I mean, you couldn't be much happier than that, right? Even if you thought maybe Jonah Williams was uh, a guard or or wherever he's going to play, he's going to be good. Average size, right? I think if even if he ended up being a guard, and I don't think he is, but uh, even if he did, I, he'd probably be a Zach Martin type guard. Where I think he's a top five guy in, in a nasty run blocker. So hey, he's going to play tackle, and I think he's going to play left tackle ultimately. Even if it's not this year, he's going to be moved there, but within due time. Uh, so I, I think you got an instant starter, you got an instant in- upgrade, you've got a guy that's mentally and character wise, along with Billy Price last year, back to back offensive line guys, really. The, the you can tell the mindset that they want going forward at that position, those guys should uh, set the tone pretty quickly. And and everyone unanimously liked that pick. Then they come back and pair it with Drew Sample in round two. And on the surface, you know, Jake and I talked about a lot. They need a wide tight end. They could use really use a blocking tight end. Really, Jake and I don't even consider Tyler Eifert as a tight end a lot. When we talk about him, we always no. say he's the fourth receiver or the third receiver because uh, they really can't even put him in there and allow him to take that those hits and that damage. So... In hindsight, a tight end pick in the round two made a lot of sense. But when you look at this class, and I think a lot of people like this class uh, for their depth and really finding potential guys. I think a lot of guys that went in round three, round four, have potential to be starting tight ends in this league. The Bengals were the first to dip into that next tier. And for us, that's a rare thing. The Bengals are never out in front of trying anything or being – or they're, they're, <laughs> They're usually, oh, this guy's high on the board, still in the fourth round, and consensus. Okay, we'll take him. They're never way ahead and saying we're gonna we're gonna go off what everyone you know opposite of what everyone thinks on this guy and really uh, uh, put our name on it. So it's interesting to see how sample will will play out and really uh, he, he's a, he's a risky pick and we are very aware of that. But at the same time, I do see a role for him playing early uh, this year and, and having a a, uh, a big role at towards the end of the year and into into 2020. So. They follow that up with they're finally getting a linebacker, Jermaine Pratt at NC State, former safety. He moves well, but he's a thumper. He's a downhill run stuffer, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, well, that can that can survive in coverage. So does that mean he starts right away? I don't know. I, I think of starting as a nickel package, and I don't know if he if he jumps right in that role. So he, he may be the, the Sam linebacker in their four three or whatever they plan on doing. They really have been uh, coy with that. So. Uh, I don't know how much Jermaine Pratt will play, but he could potentially have a, a, a big impact if he hits the ground running. After that, they had three fourth-round picks. They take a quarterback, Ryan Finley, highest drafted quarterback they've taken since Andy Dalton. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's an indication that they think he can be a future starter. Uh, it, it's more than likely he is a backup. You don't draft fourth-rounders to be starters unless they surprise you, and he's 24 years old, so I would be surprised if he ended up being anything more than that. They come back, Renell Wren, you talked about him. I think that, at the very least, one of the funnest guys on tape to watch because he's a complete wild card on pl- from play to play. He can either bull rush a, a center or get completely washed out of the play because he loses vision or, or leverage. And uh, and then they go Michael Jordan, offensive line from Ohio State. So they really attack the, the trenches, the offensive line, blockers, run first guys uh, with, with the sample pick and Jonah Williams. 
you can see what their identity is. They had an agenda. They went out and they they got it. I think the draft was okay overall. Yeah, I, I do think wasting or wasting opportunity with that second round pick soured it for Jake and I and I think a lot of Bengals fans. But uh, we do see a role for sample and can make us hopeful. Yeah, and, and you know, look, I mean, you know, and I think it's similar to you know what the Browns did last year uh, with Fells, what they did th- this year with bringing in Harris. I mean, maybe understand what your top tight end, who may be your tight end one, but truly maybe isn't a tight end one because you know he's got deficiencies. And John Dorsey said this with David Ajoku. We'd like for him to take his you know blocking more to task. Um, yeah. You know, but th- what gets you paid? receptions, yards, touchdowns. That's what you get, mm-hmm. you get, get you paid. But, but you still need somebody to do the dirty work. Fells did it last year. They're hoping Harris will do it this year. Um, obviously, with you guys, you know, sample, you're hoping, you know, and look, you can still run past sets where, you know, he can become your, you know, you're your in the flat guy where, you know, if it all worked out and then he just leaks out. So you can use him in that respect. I know he did some of that at Washington. Uh, that was definitely a little bit of a surprising pick, though, because, I mean, uh, yeah, I think if you wanted to go blocking tight end, you, you, you could have – Gone a little later and maybe gotten a better player. Where yeah, they got Foster Moreau and then Trevon Wesco in the fourth round. So you yep. think, you know, even if you lose out on sample, if they believe he was going to go in the third, well, the, the, there were still some guys there on day three. And I think they definitely think that he wasn't going to make it to their third round pick. And they said as much. They said they, they had heard from other teams around the league he wasn't going to be there for their third round pick. And who knows what what's true, right? Lying season, well, I think, extends into that period of the year, but... Dane Brugler of The Athletic also echoed that around that pick. He right. said, oh, yeah, he heard he was going to go top of the round three. So Maybe it was, maybe it was John Dorsey calling everybody and telling him that. That's what he does, right? He's a prankster, <laughs> that guy. That's it. I got to tell you what, you got to do something to break up the monotony in that room, I guess. When you don't have a first-round pick. Oh, my God. He, he must have been like a cat on a tin roof. And that was the worst part about watching that. I mean, honestly, most of it was like, all right, well, if you guys are going to keep taking these guys – I don't care how late we were drafting in into, into round no. two. So many names. It was just like, well, okay. And like, you know, the, the Raiders draft, the Giants draft. And it was just like, okay, keep going. You know what? Give them more picks. It's okay. Right. Let them take more guys. Seattle until they got it together with, a, <laughs> you know, DK Metcalf late well, pick or and, late for D2. We were, we were doing a live streaming podcast during the draft. We freaked out. At, yeah. at four and five, Cleveland Farrell and Daniel Jones, or maybe it's five, is whatever it was. Yeah. Four, six. And six. four and six. Yep. Both of those were crazy picks. It was wild. Absolutely right, wild. We're counting like nine guys we want at 11, right? And then we're like, okay, we need a few surprises. We get a few surprises, we'll get who we want at 11, at least one of the guys. And then they kept coming off the board, and we're like, we're virtually high-fiving here. Like, we're going to get one. We're going to get Jonah Williams. We're at pick six going, we're going to get Jonah Williams. Uh, it was. I mean, I remember we, uh, you know, because I, I, we did it. I did it in three separate shows, so we kind of did like ten picks at a pop. And the first ten, uh, you know, we, uh, and and I hear the guy snickering, and we're going through pick five, and I'm like, we'll get to the Giants selection here in a few seconds. Let's finish this one up, and that, that's when I knew the Daniel Jones bomb had dropped, and it was, oh my god, what did you do? What did you do? No, he wouldn't have been there at seventeen. Well, that would have been okay if he wasn't there at seventeen. You could have drafted somebody good. Yeah. I mean, both of our teams have been there, right? Of course. I mean, look, yeah. it, it's nice for somebody else to have to wear the dunce cap. Yes, it is. It's nice to laugh at someone else while you get value picks at 11 and wherever the Browns picked in round two. Ended up being 46, yes. 46, yeah. And then, right, the Bengals were picking ahead of them originally. I thought 
Greedy Williams would have been a nice pairing with William Jackson down the line, you know, if he takes a year or so. And then they trade back, allow the Broncos to go up, get Drew Locke. Bengals ultimately take Sample at 52. Yeah, so look, I mean, if they move down and still got the guy they wanted, then that's good business. Yeah, It all depend on whether or not Sample turns out to be the player they think he is. It allowed them to trade up three times in the fourth round for all three of those picks. See, so, I mean, look, I mean, you know, they manipulated it, you know, well, you know, I mean, now it's have faith in what they did. And that's, we'll see how it worked out for them. Uh, it gives even, you know, with the Browns, it was, you know, for a couple, like the kicker. Oh God, don't ever draft a kicker. Don't ever draft a punter. We Zane Gonzalez. Well, Zane Gonzalez was good until, you know, they sent him down into Orleans hurt and put a bunch of pressure kicks on him and he couldn't make one of them. Well, the Bengals drafted a kicker that same year. Jake Elliott, he won the Super Bowl that year with a bunch of 60-yard kicks for the Eagles. He wasn't on the Bengals. I do remember. I do remember the one against the Giants, yeah. It was nice because the uh, Giants fans were not thrilled. Were not thrilled. And, you know, that's when maybe it started with Odell. He lifted his leg after scoring a touchdown because the Giants fan base, they're that's all right. like – I remember that. They're all you know, like 65 years old plus in their <laughs> – Tailgates consist of cheese and white Zinfandel. They have no idea of a player like Odell. They just, you know, they're not ready for the modern day athlete. There's nothing wrong with cheese. I just want to say that real quick. Cheese is delicious, and nothing I will always advocate for cheese. Hard. So, so you're looking for a cheese sponsorship? I'll take it, man. Sure, let's do it. I love cheese. <laughs> All right, Jake, we found you love cheese. Uh, me, I'm, look, I still Stouffer's French bread pizza. The, those folks at Stouffer's, they're nice in that respect, too. We all we all have our idiosyncrasies or whatever, things that get us through the day, guys. And I hope this podcast has helped you get through your day. We've probably hit the finish line, as you might be able to tell from our talks about Stouffer's and cheese. Jeff, thanks so much for working with us, talking about the Browns. Hopefully our listeners have learned something about the Browns, and hopefully we've instilled a little bit of fear of the Bengals starting 22 in Cleveland. Probably not, though. No. Um, I don't know if anything's slowing down the Browns no. fans' momentum at this point, guys. No. And, and this is the one thing. It's still got to be done on the field. Um, I do agree with everything these, Brown, these Browns fans feel that, you know, look, it, this looks really good on paper. It does. But, you know, sometimes paper, you know, it can either lead to success or it could lead to throwing the paper in the nearest fire and starting from scratch. But, uh, yeah, confidence-wise, yeah, we feel good. Uh, you know, depth at the key spots on offense, you know, as far as the skill guys, if the offensive line holds up, if some of these rookies can come in and, and fill some slots here on D. But uh, it, it should be a nice product. It should be, you know, look, it's every NFL season's fun. Every NFL season's good. Uh, AFC North is definitely going to be interesting. You know, Baltimore, they think they got a nice thing going. It'll be Interesting with Pittsburgh, what's going to go on with Ben and having to deal with a whole bunch of new guys around him, you know, not as unfamiliar, you know, not as comfortable surroundings. But, uh, you know, we'll get into this, guys. And obviously, you know, we'll have a couple more crossovers as we get into the 2019 season, see where the Bengals at, see where the Browns at. Or, you know, we could uh, just sit around by the first time we all play and say, all right, where did everything go wrong this year? And just start breaking <laughs> out the whiskey bottles, guys. Yeah, there we go. We'll talk to you maybe then around week, what is it, 11? I think, yeah, 11 and 17, right? And Some, then 17's for the division, so we'll definitely get up for that. Or maybe it's 14. Anyway, it's later in the year. It's, yes, it, it, very similar to the 18th season, yeah. It'll be cold. That's all I know. Regardless of what city is in. <laughs> That's right. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll catch you next time. Have a good one.
Bengals and Browns fans, I'll give you both some love. 